Guru Nation, welcome to episode 526 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I interview Al Pacino. No, not that Al Pacino. Al Pacino II, the president at Blue Cloud by healthcarepoint.com, a very successful clinical research entrepreneur. Uh, He's been able to build Blue Cloud into an industry standard. And I actually really enjoyed this interview. We talked a lot about his career, his experiences as a patient when he had uh, neck cancer, um, and how that really drives him and everything he does going forward. We spent a good amount of time talking about GDPR general, data protection regulation. Uh, So hopefully you find something of value in this episode. I have links to his LinkedIn in the show notes. Also in the show notes, we have the links to the CRA and CRC academies. And we also, which we're always enrolling for that, I also have a YouTube membership page, a premium YouTube membership, $9.99 a month. We have monthly uh, Zoom meetings and a lot of YouTube uh, member exclusive posts. Uh, So definitely, definitely, definitely check that out. Uh, I guarantee it's gonna be, you're gonna get so much ROI from that. Just go to my YouTube channel and click join and check it out. Finally, if you need help getting studies for your sites or anything in that regard with site uh, management, business development, contracts, and anything, text me 949-415-656. We have a consulting service that helps sites with this every day. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Guru Nation. Welcome back to a very special episode Why is it special? Because this thing's been going around GDPR. We're going to get into what that means. Bottom line is, us as sites, we got another thing to worry about. We got to be compliant now with GDPR. We're going to get into exactly what that is by way of interviewing Al Pacino, president and co-founder of Blue Cloud, which is uh, the brand name for one of the products from Healthcare Point. And Al, Al's got a tremendous uh, background in this space. First of all, he's born in Bogota, Colombia. Shout out to Latinos in clinical research. Got to get that plug in there. Mr. Pacino is a U.S. military veteran. Thank you for your service. 16-year head and neck cancer survivor, uh, which is extremely powerful. It always, and I didn't know about uh, this about you until today, uh, Al, but I think that's missing. I think we actually need more people who work in this space that because we're all patients at the end of the day, right? But for somebody to go through something that acute uh, and still be an entrepreneur and produce products, it's more than just business to you. Uh, So we're going to get into a little bit of that. Over the last 35 years, a well-respected key opinion leader in clinical research and healthcare, promoting and implementing standards of care in over 196 countries to help minimize waste and duplicate at the site level, data variance in clinical trials, and inventing technology systems for centralized and decentralized clinical trials, which is the latest buzz for the last five years. And uh, with the primary purposes of leaving no patient behind. So he ties it back into his personal story. This always makes it powerful, the passion, along with the personal connection to it. And I was reintroduced to you, Al, 
on Clubhouse two weeks ago. So for those that say Clubhouse is dead, maybe the numbers are plateauing, but you still get to meet cool people like Al on there. I mean, well, how many places can you do this where you can meet key opinion leaders for free and have conversations with them? I mean, you can't just do that anywhere. So for those that say Clubhouse is dead, I say probably, but you can also meet cool people on there in the space. So Al, thank you so much for coming on the show. Pleasure to be here and uh, looking forward to making a difference today. Yeah, I mean, I want to start so many places, but I think the most appropriate would be uh, your story. How, what brought you to creating Blue Cloud? And then towards the end, I want to get into GDPR because it's very practical for the sites out there. Well, fantastic. So uh, I've always been an entrepreneur by heart and um, I've set up investigative sites. I've set up uh, uh, a research, um, clinical research organizations and um uh, I've been in education, involved with the government, national, international universities, creating standards and standards of care. So that's my passion. So in 2006, um, actually, I, I, um, I got cancer, head and neck cancer, and um, you know, woke up one morning and I had this big knot on my neck. And I was saying, well, I don't know what that is. Maybe I'm sick. And uh, my wife said, no, 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 you need to go to the doctor. And the doctor diagnosed me as having head and neck cancer. So we put a good team together and luckily I've been in medical research for 35 years, uh, which not uh, the, the, the lay person is not, um, doesn't have access to this network of knowledge base of what's going on in the, in, in the, in the clinical research world. So we, um, I was one of the first uh, patients to actually, uh, actually do herbitaxacetuximab um, and we have positive outcomes, which was the, one of the first biologicals in 2006, along with MRT, which is radiation therapy. So that gave me the passion to move away from just, you know, the capitalistic society into what is it that we can do for society uh, that it, based on ethical and social responsibilities, right? So we founded, uh, we founded uh, healthcarepoint.com and we created a uh, technology called Blue Cloud. The technology... So, so we'll get to that, but I, I want to go through the head and neck cancer because that's to, I'm I'm happen to be reading this book presently you're familiar with this uh, a walk yeah. with purpose I've heard of it uh, there we have a we have actually a an initiative called philanthropy for a purpose at blue cloud we can elaborate on that as well <laughs> man for those this book was recommended to me again by somebody on clubhouse so go mm -hmm. figure with clubhouse michael becker he was the ceo yeah. of uh one of the big well, not a big, but a, a good-sized biotech got diagnosed with head and neck cancer. I'm only 30% through the book, so I, I you know, I'm, I'm still reading it. But that that reminded me, your story reminded me of the book I'm currently reading. So sorry to interrupt, but I think that's important to talk about as well. No, no, absolutely. And, you know, being a patient and uh, furthermore a uh, cancer survivor or, for that matter, you know, stroke survivor, whoever, you know, whatever challenges we've had, it makes you think about life differently. It just, that button just switches. And what is it that we're here for? What's the purpose, right, of life? And the purpose is really to make a difference in somebody else's life. If we can make a difference in one person, that's basically a huge accomplishment. And especially in the Latin American community, many of the you know, Latinos and African-Americans, we basically have a culture of, Believing in uh, in what our family has 
told us for many, many years. And uh, we need to be open-minded about, you know, uh, the future of healthcare medical research. And yeah. that's passion, you know. The disparities are there. So what, when you were diagnosed, you say you said you just woke up one morning and you felt like a big lump. It happened that quickly? Yes, actually, in about a couple of days. Yes, uh, it was metastasized. They found it in my tonsil, but it was metastasized into, into um, within a couple of days. Uh, so I, I was a stage three, almost four. And basically, I had different surgeries. My tonsils came out, my, uh, and then they basically started carving me out. And then did the orbitoxetuximab, MRT, because at that time in 2006, you know, the first thing that they tell you is go ahead and attack the cancer with as, as, uh, as, as much, uh, as, as many things as you can that are available to you. And not only available, but, are, you know, that they're not going to break your bank. You know? <laughs> that was another thing, right? Because if, if you get cancer, you don't have insurance and you're not positioned for, for that. You really, many people go, go bankrupt and they just can't pay for medical bills. I was fortunate to have insurance, which is great. And insurance companies actually paid, agreed to pay for my newly developed uh, therapies, which was Orbitax, Taximab, because it had just been approved into the market maybe two weeks before. It was amazing. Many people uh, don't have the opportunity that I had, but because I'm in healthcare and medical research, we, I, I, I have that opportunity. Uh, people in underserved countries, which is my passion too, is they don't have the same opportunities to get to the drugs or medical devices or about, uh, you know, about technologies that ultimately will not only save their lives, but improve the, uh, the quality of life that they will have after the disease. Wow. That's a powerful story. Were you, did you get the experimental treatment or you said it was just approved like literally a few weeks before you took it? Yeah. So actually this was in 2006. Um, so I've been in medical research um, back since 89 after the military, I did phase one studies you know, I was all about, I'm a biologist by trade, that's my background. So I love science and I love proof of science. And so I knew that clinical research was there in 2006. I worked for a company, one of the first CROs back in 89 called Pharmacodynamics Research. So I've been involved in uh, phase one, two, and three studies. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, since, in, since 1989, and all of a sudden, you know, in 2006, I got cancer. So I was able to say, okay, this is the best drug that is going to help me. And it just got approved. So I was just, I was lucky to have that opportunity, which by the way, if somebody in Bogota or Argentina or Africa, they don't have that opportunity. They don't have those opportunities. So how can we make sure that those people have the opportunities? We just got to modernize the world of healthcare and medical research. And we got to educate the culture and incentivize the establishment to change uh, by modernizing it. So you, so do you really think Blue Cloud uh, can do this? Can bridge this gap of, I don't know if it's inequality, but disparities, right? You, you, you think it, it can do that? It's doing it. Yes, we're in 196 countries. The idea behind Blue Cloud is that we are going to create standards and standards of care, or help organizations create standards of standards of care. So I'll give you an example. Back in 2002, the National Institutes of Health came up with um, a, uh, a scale called the NIH stroke scale. So they were funding all these clinical trials and they were failing, right? Because people in New York were trained differently than people in California, the people in Texas, 
And that creates what is very, very important when you recruit patients. And if I'm recruiting a patient, if a nurse is recruiting a patient for a clinical trial in New York and you train differently because the training is not standardized and you're training for every clinical trial, for every sponsor, every CRO for this training that's two hours long, there's no time to treat the, get the patient. So I, uh, that was our flagship. We said, well, we, if we uh, standardize the way we train and certify people in the United States on the NIH stroke scale, then we have a centralized bank to where uh, sponsors and CROs can come in and find out whether or not they've been trained and it'll be accepted as a standard throughout the industry. And it will minimize at the time, it will minimize the amount of redundant training and educational activities right. that your sites have to have. And the sites can just in one year can do as many clinical trials with as many sponsors, as many CROs, as many universities as they want. And this became the gold standards for many of those diagnostic instruments. Now we have universities and nonprofits and governments. Another example is the ranking scale for cardiovascular. Another example is the CSSRS, the suicidality. Because those scales came out of the research industry. Now they're in the mainstream of healthcare, right? Yeah. So they always come from the research component because you have to have a proof of concept. You have right. to have fantastic outcomes and so on. But the redundancy of training and educational activities has been minimized tremendously in the past 15 years because all these different diagnostic instruments that you need to screen patients into a trial in, health, in clinical research, you need to screen patients for healthcare so they can get paid by insurance companies has shrunk dramatically because you only have one standard accepted by the whole industry. And that's actually how we're subsidizing blue cloud and blue cloud technologies. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I understand the use case with those, a couple of those assessments, but you know, the protocols have so many different assessments. I, I work a lot in psychiatry and yeah. we still have like three main vendors. You probably know who they are. Yeah. They all want their own systems to be the one that's certified. So there's no consensus because one sponsor chooses these guys, the other sponsor chooses these guys. And so when you're the site, you basically have to do the train, same training all the time, over and over again. Uh, yeah. So what, what, uh, what assessments do you guys currently have? Or is it beyond assessments? It's beyond assessments. And that segues into how we're, your question, and how we are using Blue Cloud to modernize the world of healthcare medical research while minimizing the work that the investigative sites have to have, while also minimizing the risk associated with investigative sites paying for all these technologies and systems like HR management systems, e-learning management systems, GDPR and privacy wallets. That's another thing. We give all of our technologies away for free. What we, how we generate revenues is that the sponsors can then connect to the investigative sites because they need things that the sites have like uh, training and certifications inside the wallet, like the suicidality scale, right? It's good for up to two years, but it's because it comes- Literally from every study, every study uses this. Exactly. And the suicidality scale is good for two years for any study. Before, every study, we need to have the suicidality scale. And the same thing, repeating over and over again. Same thing at the NH stroke scale, the ranking, and so on. The, the, that's just one out of thousands of things that can go into the GDPR or privacy wallet, which we'll talk about how that's going to influence tremendously the growth of the um, of the investigative sites, especially in underserved countries, especially for Latino and uh, 
Asians and uh, uh, African-American communities. So I'm looking at the website now. I'm seeing for the sites, research site memberships, promote your site, manage resources and meet privacy requirements. And we're going to get to GDPR, guys. Don't worry, guys. I know that's what you're here for. We're going to do it. But we have to we have to talk about Blue Cloud first because I think it's interesting. So attracting clinical trial sponsors, recruiting patients, managing staff. This is what sites do, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you have a free version for sites. You have a prime membership. Um, walk us through the benefits of both, if you can. Sure. So, so basically, remember that, we, absolutely. So remember that we have, we came from the world of uh, promoting standards and standards of care, especially this diagnostic instruments that were redundant 15 years ago, right? We continue to work with universities like UCLA, uh, University of Glasgow, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, we're good. We're good. University of Glasgow and dozens of different universities that own these copyrighted materials, but they just cannot afford to uh, have it standardized. We actually standardize it for them because they own the copyrights. So we take all this training and educational activities and package that into Blue Cloud, into an uh, a, a free e-learning management system that we provide to the sites, right? And then with that free learning management system, you have a, a directory of educational activities all the way from GCPs that are, are accepted throughout the industry, including Transcelerate, uh, all the way from scales, the suicidality scale. It's part of the Blue Cloud system. So we have an e-learning management system with educational activities free of charge to investigative sites. So when your staff members come in and train and certified on this already established and approved uh, training and educational activities by the industry, where do you park that, those certificates? You got to park them inside a, a wallet. That wallet in Blue Cloud is called a General Data Protection Regulation or GDPR wallet, where all the information is kept and it's, it's, it's uh, auditable by the regulatory agencies and it's auditable by the sponsors because they need, the sites have to be in compliance, maintaining all the information up to date of their employees. Otherwise, if the FDA comes knocking, you don't have that in place. Like so training, that, right? Like, like training certificates, licenses, CVs, those kind of things. Exactly. Is that, that, so the wallets have to be managed by another application. It's called an HR management system. In our world, it's called a GDPR system or general data protection regulation system that enables you to manage all your employees. So the combination of an e-learning management system, an HR management system, and the personal accounts, or uh, a global library of training or education, educators, a GDPR wallet, and a GDPR directory, right? Put it together inside Blue Cloud. That's what we provide free of charge to the investigative sites. That's, so why, that's sustainability. Why aren't more sites? I mean, what's the biggest reason why sites don't use you besides not knowing about you? I mean, sure. You know, I, I'm sure you have conversation with sites a lot. Not all of them sign up. What's the reason? So, ironically, remember that we came from the neuroscience world, the cardiovascular world. What kind of sites are those? Those are hospital based sites, right? So, Every hospital in the United States actually uses us because we have standards of care. However, the small to medium-sized non-hospital-based 
sites, especially the underserved sites, they don't know much about us because we haven't been popularized in that area because sites normally don't do strokes, uh, you know, small to medium sized sites. They do vaccines, they do women's health and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. But the sites can use the exact same technology as a big multi-billion dollar hospital can because they're using us. Those sites and hospitals are using us. We have 2 million members in our network out of which 10% of them do research that use our systems because we have standards of care. And that's, those, that's, if you go to any hospital, you talk about Blue Cloud, you talk to a nurse in a hospital, they know Blue Cloud. Yeah. But if you, go, if you go to a clinic down the road that maybe you do uh, vaccines, so you do women's health or, or derm, you do dermatology like derm, study, yeah. They, yeah, exactly. Those are the sites that we would like to offer our services free of charge I because see. we're maintained by the larger organizations already. Right. So you've got for the no cost membership, you've got Blue Cloud GDPR wallet management, which is what you were just saying. It's like the HR toolkit. Uh, Blue yes. Cloud GDPR directory management. That's for the sponsor and CROs to see you, right? I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's the patient mapping network? What is this? Like a patient so, database? Yeah. No, it's actually, we don't own anything. What we do is connect the provider to the consumer, right? So who has the patients and patient databases? The sites, right? The hospitals, the small clinics. What do they use? They use an EPIC system or they use a Cerner or they use some type of system. That's where the information about patients are locally. All the sponsors want to know is limited data sets. Where those, those uh, sites are that contain, uh, that have these types of patients based on ICD-10 code, uh, and uh, how many patients you have. That's the patient mapping. So we provide that free of charge too to the investigative sites as a marketing tool to let the sponsors know that your site has this number of patients, not patient information, right? Got it. It's just the ability for small to medium sized sites and even the larger sites to be able to tell the sponsors, hey, here in Bogota, Colombia, we have 20, uh, 20 um uh, patients with ICD-10 code flu, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know what the ICD-10 code is, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, but you understand what I I'm get saying. It. So, so I'm guessing yeah. that the incentive for Blue Cloud to do this is er, to give this for free is because the sponsors, they're spending a million dollar a day trying to get a study started. So they're going to come to Blue Cloud and say, hey, you already have this patient mapping. It's all de-identified, but you have, so we can quickly go through feasibility and they're still going to do the formal feasibility anyways, but they're going to pre-identify the sites basically through your, yeah. and then they'll pay you for this, right? They pay us for connections. So really there are three reasons, uh, uh, three ways that the sponsors are interested in screening sites for study. First, make sure that people are competent, right? Mm -hmm. At the investigative side, the PI, sub-PI study coordinator, that you have your standards in place, you've been trained and certified in the suicidality scale, and that's, uh, that you also have uh, the SOPs in place, standard operating procedures, right? Because you have to train your staff members. That's one thing, make sure that the staffs are competent. Second, make sure that you have the right patients. We don't care that the patient's information, we just care that you have 20 flu patients done, right? Mm -hmm. and, and if they want to 
uh, we, if they want to go directly to the sites to then go deeper into the EMR, that's up to up to the sponsor. On the I got site. you. I got you. Yeah. All right. So, so I'm trying to get practical here for my like, let's I have a site. I'm going to start a new site actually in two months in Arizona. Does this work with uh, like practice fusion or whatever my my doctors using my PI or the nurse practitioner? Will it work with their EMRs? Yes. So basically, we don't touch the EMRs. We give you the software for you to tell the blue cloud mapping how many patients you have based on ICD-10 code, and that's it. I see. That's all I we see. need. So no yeah. matter what EMR your site uses, with the blue cloud, I just do it in the cloud, uh, and it will map my network for me and, and for yes. pharma. And it depends how advanced you are. Normally, we'll give you the tools for you to just enter the patient population, and that's it. Okay. And then the second, if you don't have if you don't have advanced uh, knowledge base of APIs and things, second, there's an Excel spreadsheet that you can download and just put in the patient population, and that's it. And then upload it into your Blue Cloud patient mapping system, and it populates. I see. Third thing, so you export from your current, you know, whatever CSV file or whatever into the Blue Cloud system. Yes, and the gotcha. third and most efficient thing, and this is for multi-million dollar companies. They want, just simply want to connect their uh, medical, their um, patient populations from their EMR into Blue Cloud because it's just a number. It's just a patient population, and that's what the sponsors want. Yeah. They just the sponsors go to you and say, "Hey, we're running this clinical trial that we need 500 um, oncology patients, right? Do you have them?" You say, "Yes." Well, where's the proof? Right, they have to dig deeper. So instead of them coming to you and spending all the time and resources, use the Blue Cloud Patient Mapping. Click on one click, uh, click on um, the ICD-10 code, and you can actually see all the patients around the world from all these different sites. Now they got to go direct if they're interested in that geographical area based on an inclusion exclusion criteria, which includes geographical location. They just simply click on who is this investigative site, then it has all the information. Now they can go directly to the investigative site and then they can go deeper into patient information, which we don't get involved with. It's just the right. patient mapping and that's it. it's a number. You're just facilitating the data to, to, um, to be accessible. Yeah, the patient number and that's it. Mm -hmm. the, what's the patient population in a specific geographical area? And if you are interested, go directly to the site. Some, it's, mm -hmm. It's a uh, knowledge-based tool between the sponsor that bridges the sponsor and the site because the site wants to tell the sponsor, hey, I have 500 of these types of patients, but the sponsor doesn't know. So you have a middle piece, this electronic tool that says, hey, at this site, we have 500 patients. Okay, yeah. that's great. Well, let's talk about it. Then we don't get involved after that. Okay. So let's talk about GDPR now. Um, everybody's been asking well not everybody but a lot of people have been asking hey you know i'm sick of answering my monitor you know they're asking what's my sop for gdpr i barely know even what that means so it sounds like with blue cloud if i'm even like a no cost basic member i'll have an answer for them i'll say this is what we do with gdpr but can you explain what this actually means like what is what do we have to do as sites i know every state's different Let's pick two states for selfish reasons for me. Let's go Arizona and California. 
if you can. I'm just putting you on the spot. I don't know if you've learned those states or not, but just just to well, see what's out there. Well, the, the premise and the information is the same for every state and every country around the world. So I'm going to generalize it for the sake of the audience. I'm okay. going to dumb it down because I, I'm that type of person. I, I Dumb it down for me because I'm yeah, not- Yeah, dumb it down. I don't know anything about this. All I know is that we're supposed to be yeah. compliant and almost no yeah. one is. So basically, let's start off with the basic uh, concept of what is privacy, right? Uh, so we as humans, we are generating data from the time we're born, right? You, when we're in the hospital, uh, every piece of medical record, uh, every the first name, last name, in, uh, as we get older, email addresses, they're all different types of data and no data is the same. So as we get older, we become scientists, we become physicians, nurses, PI. The data that we receive from a university is the diploma. That is owned by us. The data that we receive for a suicidality scale is the certificate of completion for the CSSRS. We own that data. Our first name, last name, email address. That's called personal identifiable information. We own that data. There was no technology before Blue Cloud that allowed you to park all that data safely into a single location and to make sure that nobody would steal it or use it for purposes of make, making profit themselves. So in the past, all of our data that we're continuously uh, creating is actually being packaged and sold by other organizations without our permission. That's it. So it's, that's privacy. So how do uh, these this laws that are now being put in place catalyzed by the European Union is called GDPR, came out of Europe after the Facebook and Google fiasco, where people were creating accounts and taking information for political purposes and all that. Your European Union came up with a GDPR, which is not a new, new regulation, but it wasn't implemented for 20 years until 2016. And it simply states that if you own your information and somebody else is using your information without your permission, you can actually sue that individual or the government will sue them for you. And it is happening in other industries. Marriott just got uh, dinged with GDPR International for $500 million, right? Uh, CBS, a couple of days ago, the pharmacy, they basically had a fiasco where the first name, last name, an email address got, got a leak and somebody else got that information. What that first name, last name, email address is a part of the personal identifiable information that we own. And we didn't give permission to these organizations to profit from it and or share that information without our permission. That's basically what privacy is all about, that we continue to, to um, own our own information and we should profit from it, right? So the GDPR wallets is a safe place for an individual to park their information. And as soon as that, as we, as we get older, that GDPR wallet gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? That has value in clinical research to the sponsors, the Medtronic, the Boston Scientifics, you know, the AstraZeneca's, the Pfizer's, right? So how do you profit from it? So that GDPR wallet, you're able now to connect directly to the sponsors for site screening and site visibility purposes. The sponsors actually pay you in return by making sure that you get assigned a clinical trial, but electronically without you even knowing, right? Because everything is electronic. So you have a better opportunity to be 
uh, screen for a clinical research without the sponsors chasing that information from the sites because they're always connected to that wallet because you've given them permission to do that. For and the, the patient wallet, mapping, right? This is the patient no, mapping. This is, no, this is actually for the healthcare professionals. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. So if, you're, if you have a PI or study coordinator, uh, the data that they're concerned with is one third of the equation, right? Patient information, patient mapping is something else. First one, make sure that everybody's competent. Gotcha. That's what's in the wallet. So they use the wallet to do site screening and site visibility, one third of it, right? And then because we connect them to, um, we give them the option to connect. We give the sites the option to connect to the sponsors. Then they're always gonna be connected to the actual source. It's not a copy. The wallet is not a copy. It's the actual source now. It's one source that can make, be connected to hundreds of different types of organizations if I want to share that information with them. That's it. So, and then that eliminates redundancy at the sites because there's no more copies. There's no more uploading into the silos every six months. There's no training and retraining and sort of recertifying on things. All that is eliminated by just taking ownership of the information as a PI, sub-PI, study coordinator, a rater, because you own your information. So if you're a rater for this suicidality scale, I'm saying, because that's your, somewhat you're familiar with, and you have it in your wallet, you can connect them to, the, to, to AstraZeneca, you can connect them to Pfizer, connect Medtronic, and so on. Even the trainers, because it's a standard, ProFace, and all those different organizations, right? Uh -huh. Because we have the we we all have the standards. It's basically the actual source. So G, so to make it practical for the site. So what the whole fuss over GDPR? Because you're right, it's not that complicated the way you just explained it. But what's all the fuss about? Because let's say let's go back to before technology. We HR was just keeping yeah. things in books, right? There was no such thing as GDPR. You're just you. The employer was expected to make sure that that doesn't leak, that uh, that copies don't get out, that if you're gonna destroy it, you shred it properly. You don't just throw it in the trash. I mean, mm -hmm. so now with electronic systems, is, is this all all that GDPR actually is? Like for electronic systems, you gotta have the same level of compliance, or that's just half of it. The second half is that when you own your information. You would own it in the wallet in this case, and you're connected to an, uh, an organization. There's a connection between the two, sharing information between each other. The second half of the equation is that by law, because I own my information, I own my wallet, I have the right to cease and assist that connection for them to get my information. I so see. if I don't want to share that information anymore with a Pfizer, I can just either remove my information, which is, is, is in contrast with what the FDA wants to do, but I can remove my information and no longer share that with them. So you're saying if you were an employee for Pfizer, like a CRA, yeah. and you want to sever ties with Pfizer because you're working for someone else now, you have the right as the employee to say, Pfizer, you no longer get access to any of my stuff. That's right. And you can just do it in one click. But they have files, don't they have files? I mean, those no are, matter what you those do. Are, those are copies, not the source. Not the source. So any, so with the source, you mean anything updated? That's any, right. I see. Yeah, the GDPR wallet, because you own it, you should maintain that updated, uh, all the updated records in that source. 
uh, that at any time I you see. can connect to whoever you want to connect with. Once so you then, sacrifice, they have copies, you, they don't have the actual source. So then GD, the wallet, GDPR wallet from Blue Cloud, for example, could be on an individual level, not an organization level, right? Yeah. So th there's, a, there's a third component of that. Also, not only you maintain and park your information that you're able to connect to somebody who's going to give you business, whether it's a site or a CRA or whoever it is. The second thing is that you're going to be able to sever ties and you have the right to do that because that's law. Well, by the way, that's whether it's GDPR or Texas privacy law or California privacy laws or, or uh, Washington. It doesn't matter. They all work the same. They just have little tiny changes in the laws every state. But, but the law is the same uh, as I described today. I see. So, so uh, it's not even real. GDPR, I was just under the assumption that it's mainly for consumers. But in the setting, of, in the context of research, it's mainly for the employees to protect their data. It's not really like HIPAA is what oversees the patient's uh, data. We're used to this, right? Is this, is GDPR, I guess, the easy way to explain it, the employee version of HIPAA for patients? The, the GDPR, uh, there, there are different types of data that we as humans create. Medical records is one type of data. Healthcare professional records, competencies, resumes is a different data. Our, uh, our, every time we, uh, we use uh, the keyboard, Google's collecting that information. We're creating that data for Google. There's right. all kinds of different data. No data is the same. What we at Blue Cloud are interested in is the data of the competencies of the healthcare professionals that allow them to put the information in a source, which is a GDPR wallet which then allows them to connect to organizations for site screening and site visibility purposes and allow them to sever ties at any time that they wish. The third component of it is that you can park as much as you want in the GDPR wallet, but who's actually gonna authenticate the, the validity of that wallet? So that's where the GDPR directories for sites is because by law, you have to verify the information inside those wallets. And we do that on paper anyway, or in silos. So we have a patent on the ability for a third party to verify the information that's in the wallet. And the third party verifier is the site manager. Gotcha, so it, it, gotcha. Yeah, so that's where this HR management system or GDPR directory comes in, because now I that see. becomes an, an auditable system for, for you to manage the compliance of all your employees. We do that anyway, but it's very costly or on paper. So, so we give that away for free. Very, very practical question here. As a site director, site owner, whenever I have a new employee come in, there's a lot of things they have to do. But one of the more important ones is I make sure they're trained on my SOP. So, and then I have them sign something. So this is GDPR info, right? Go in the wallet. Yeah, so remember, there are different types of data. Anything, there's shareable data, which is that my training records that are generalized, like the GCP training, uh, resumes and licenses, uh, CVs, the standards of care, like the NIH stroke skills, suicidality, those are shareable records. Uh, data that is owned by the business is also protected on the GDPR now, right? Your SOPs are not... Uh, owned by the individual. The SOPs are owned by the site, right? 
So, but the site trains the individual on the SOP and it gives them a certificate of completion, which goes, that certificate goes into the wallet that is specific to the site, right? So that data is the site, but it has to be managed the same way uh, for the, with a GDPR directory. So the wallet is personalized. The GDPR directory is for the business itself where you can manage not only your things at the site, like the SOP, but also you can manage whatever the individual owns as a shareable data. So when the individual, let's say they leave my organization, they take their personal wallet with them. But me as the site director, I have copies of everything I have up until the point that they leave. That is correct, yes. Plus, plus you keep all your SOPs because those are intellectual property of the site. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for making this clear. I mean, sorry for the dumb questions, but uh, I think a lot of people have have these questions. So I guess it's you demystified GDPR because it's not that complicated of a of yeah. a topic. You know, yeah, I, no. I think I think people confuse it with like cookies on your website and all this kind of stuff. No, it's it's, it's very simple. Think about we own data. We just never had a vehicle to park our data in a safe place. Mm-hmm. And then furthermore, connect to other organizations that want our data and, mon- and be able to profit from it. That's basically w- what is happening right now. And the laws are helping with that because the laws now say, yeah, this is what, what you can do with your data. I see. You can park it and then you can monetize it because you own your data. You can sell your data if you want. You I know? understand. So this was more about the employee business relationship as opposed to anything to do with patients, really. That's exactly right. Now, the patients, a different type of data, right? Mm-hmm. Same, same laws apply, but no data is the same. No data is the same. Patient data is human data that we produce as well, but it's treated differently mm-hmm. than healthcare professional data, than a data that comes from uh, the credit reporting agency, all different you. types of data, they're all, they're all treated differently, but GDPR and privacy laws, which is basically the same, same rules, same regulations, they all apply the same way. And that's, it's for healthcare, it's basically for the professionals. For the professionals is one type of data. Remember that this is a general type of data for every, every industry. I got you. Right, right. It's global. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Just, just in the context of a re, either a research site, a CRO, or a sponsor, this is probably the best way to think of it for our industry. Yes. Yeah. You okay. have, you know, patient. Uh, you have um, healthcare professional data that the healthcare professional owns. That the healthcare professional data has to be verified by the site to eliminate front abuse. So the GDPR directory. And you also have patient data, which is a different type of data that we don't get involved with that. We just get involved with the patient count and that's it. For Blue Cloud. Yeah, in Blue Cloud, yes. I got you, I got you. And so, okay, so I guess as we wrap up, the, where's this industry headed? Because decentralized, you know, everybody's talking about it. I mean, uh, virtual hybrid trials, everybody's talking about hybrid. That's obviously going to happen. It's already happening. Uh, But, you know, the more you were talking about this, the more I'm thinking, because I'm also like a big fan of blockchain technology. It's very similar. You know, it's all about empowering the individual (laughs) to control their data. 
And I'm sure you're looking at the blockchain with the blue cloud. Can you talk a little bit about some potential healthcare applications with the blockchain? Yeah, absolutely. So blockchain, uh, again, we got to simplify for the, you know, for me and for the audience and for you and everybody else. So blockchain is just a, a different type of technology. You're familiar with Microsoft technology or IBM technology and so on. Blockchain is just a different technology, right? So if I want to create my application and I choose not to use Microsoft, but I choose to use blockchain, so I can build my application on top of blockchain and it has other, uh, other opportunities for you to uh, create additional value into, they're called tokens or tokenization for that data that is going to be managed with, within that blockchain. We already do that on Microsoft uh, with internet, uh, with uh, .NET technology. We already do that with IBM. We already do that with Oracle, right? But those types of technologies are unable to be tokenized. When you then token, blockchain is the only one. So when you tokenize that technology, it allows you to do the same thing that Blue Cloud actually does. We actually have a blockchain department. So, wow. so basically, yeah. So basically uh, when the ability for a third party to verify the information that, it inform uh, that is inside the wallet is actually uh, an item on the blockchain technology except is digitized, right? And anything digitized can then create tokens, which creates value. And that's what is get, gets sold out there in the world as, <laughs> as uh, you know, Ethereum and Bitcoin and all, all this right. stuff. That's basically all it is. That's all it is. It's a different platform, yeah, that you can build your software on top. Yeah. I see. Which one from the block from the popular blockchains, I guess, Ethereum, Cardano, Polkadot, which one are you a fan of personally? Well, I like Ethereum because we can actually take Blue Cloud and eventually put it in Ethereum. I like and it. just like we do, uh, all these different uh, technology companies out there that are going to <clears throat> get involved into the blockchain, they're looking into Ethereum because Ethereum is just a platform just like .NET that enables third parties or companies to then build their software on top of blockchain. That's all it is. That's in definitely interesting to see where all this stuff is going to be headed. So I guess what's uh, as we wrap up and anybody who wants to connect with Al, the, his link to his LinkedIn is underneath and message him and he's going to tell you about Blue Cloud if you're interested. Um, what's the take home message for not just sites, but any professional working in this space right now for, from you, yeah. Al, co-founder of Blue Cloud? Uh, what's the take home message? So my message is to, sure, my message is to make, basically be informed. The healthcare and clinical research industry is being transformed right in front of your eyes and many of us don't even know it. Make sure that you, have, you get the right information from the right sources. Make sure that your business is created on modern knowledge, modern technologies, and primarily modern networking technologies that enables you to network because that's the that's what is happening right now. If you, don't, if you can't share information in real time, 
and you keep it, keep it in a silo, it's going to minimize the opportunity, financial opportunities at new investigative sites because the sponsors are gonna choose those sites that can move quick, especially now that you have decentralized clinical trials, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, especially now that we have, you know, um, the requirements by the FDA to increase the number of uh, 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 Latinos and um, African-Americans and Asians to get involved into clinical trials. It's gonna yeah. move and it is moving very, very fast. So make sure that from Lookout perspective, make sure that you your, your technologies, which is an HR management system, uh, auditable uh, GDPR compliance system, uh, an educational system doesn't cost you anything, especially if you're going to get involved in clinical research. Because the main reason why people don't get involved in clinical research is because the high cost of getting, getting involved with it. So by providing those technologies at Blue Cloud, it minimizes the risk associated with getting involved into clinical trials. And especially now that we have decentralized clinical trials where 90% of the industry doesn't do trials. Mm -hmm. They're going to get involved. Not everybody will be an investigative site. And also the knowledge, we're doing this with hospitals, the knowledge base uh, that uh, has to be improved at, this, uh, at the hospitals for all the healthcare professionals, nurses and physicians and first responders on educating them on what clinical research is. Because how in the world are you going to promote to your patients research as a care option if you yourself as a healthcare professional don't even know what that is right so our job is to educate the culture and incentivize the establishment to change by minimizing the financial risk associated with getting involved into trials so and that's what we do so what would be your response to the sites uh i'm not sure if you were in the clubhouse where somebody joined and they were a site owner and they said something like, well, we prefer not to use any of this. Uh, we prefer to go paper everything. And you know what? I'm not picking on this person because that's a representative of uh, a lot of people in the industry. Sure. What What's your message to them? Like, is it, hey, don't get left behind, basically, because this is going to happen whether you're on board or not? Or what, what's your message to them? Well, I think the primary reason why people are fearful of moving from paper to electronics is because it's the, the cost associated with it and the risk associated with it. Uh, there are many other reasons why. Maybe they just love to move paper from one place to another, <laughs> right? There are many, many different reasons. However, you know, because that's their job. However, you know, we as, as humans, we tend to uh, look at... Um, look at um, what we're gonna be losing versus what we're gonna be gaining by modernizing the way we do business, right? So believe me, electronics, you're not gonna be losing your job. You're not gonna be losing this uh, way of doing business. You're just gonna make it better. You're gonna make it more efficient. You're not gonna lose your job. You still need to press the buttons, right? Mm -hmm. you need to, but it makes more, the, the industry much more efficient. So not, don't worry about losing your job. Don't worry about the sites losing business, but just modernize the way you do business. The decent sites are prime for decentralized clinical trials because you can do trials three different ways. You can still have the patient coming to the office or you can 
send your nurse or your physician or your first responder to the, to, uh, the um, patient's home. And or you can also do telemedicine in between. Three ways to do clinical research. If you modernize the way you do research in that blended solution, on-site telemedicine and, and at the patient's location, the sites are gonna be there, but you gotta change the ways, the way we think about doing clinical trials. And by the way, that's what the FDA is pushing, decentralized clinical trials, because then you get more patients, then you get more Latino, Latinos into clinical research, and right. then you get, more, uh, you get more people being involved in clinical trials. I guess that's a great answer, and we can end this with a, a quote from Wayne Gretzky, which I use all the time. Don't go to where the puck is, go to where it's going to be. And this is exactly what this is, in my opinion. I don't like this technology. Who likes this? As a business owner, once you get your profits set up and your system built, the last thing you want to do is mess with it if it works, right? So I understand the, the frustration and the pain point, but you know what? At the end of the day, change is going to happen with or without you. That's the way. That's why I wanted to do this podcast to learn myself about GDPR. And quite honestly, you know, at the end of this, I mean, we don't have a GDPR solution. I'm thinking, why not sign up one or two of my sites for the free blue cloud and see what happens? I mean, uh, yeah. I don't see anything uh, inherently wrong with, with uh, that strategy. And I think. I want to thank you for coming on and educating us because no one's doing this for free. And uh, I really appreciate it. And I think a lot of people appreciate the fact that you, you just helped to demystify uh, something with a lot of like uh, fog around it. So thank you, Al. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, you know, the main reason why we do this because if you become a patient or a patient survivor, it makes you think differently. It really changes the way you want to do things in the world. You know, you still have to pay your bills. That's not, you, know, you still, still got to pay through this capitalistic world. You got to make money as a business, but we got to do it intelligently and make, making sure we have the latest modern education with yeah. us. Yeah. Well, anyone that wants more info, um, again, Al's LinkedIn is underneath the video. And if you're listening on the podcast in the show notes, that's the first place you should go connect with him there. Once you're on his LinkedIn, you can talk to him. He answers back. You can connect with him if you're not connected. And then you can check out his profile and click on the websites and everything there. Um, so thank you very much, Al. I appreciate you coming on. Fantastic. Love to... Uh... Love to be here again. And uh, there's a lot of things that are go going on that are fantastic. Absolutely. And we'll try, to, we'll try to get you on the Latinos in Research Tech series as well. And thank you everyone for watching and listening. And we'll catch you all later. Bye-bye.